Morning to you. We plunge headlong into another huge weekend. Football, basketball, and so much more. We welcome you to Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. My name is Craig Way. Glad to have you. Jeff Halvey along shortly. Of course, our producer, as always, ready at the switch. The king purveyor of all good things, Flex ATX, which is after all in the final analysis, Suflex. That's Jonathan John Donaldson, J. J. Donaldson. We know him as Snoop Daniel. How are you? This I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm still a little dizzy from last night's three-hour meeting. <laughs> talking about like kids that I covered like so like it was emotional like me hearing about these kids names said last night and yeah, I don't know what was going through my head I'm like wow well we know what was coming out of your mouth initially for, for folks just to let folks know about this um I, I tell you what, let me get to it in a second I, I want to tell folks what's coming up here in a, a few lot, minutes so. yeah we've got a lot happening in a few minutes we're going to visit with John Bishop uh, he's the play-by-play voice of the Creighton Blue Jays. He's been a friend of mine for a long time. I've seen him. Uh, yeah, he works a College World Series broadcast in Omaha uh, and uh, and uh, does a talk show in Omaha. So he'll uh, he'll join us in a few minutes. And we'll, uh, we'll visit with him for a few minutes. Then, of course, we'll have our regular Thursday weekly conversation with Vandegrift Vipers head coach Drew Sanders. Uh, we will have a Longhorn Notebook this hour. We will have Inconceivable this hour. Then, uh, in uh, and we we do have a flex. Uh, we have a flex thirty update coming up next hour. We do have a Whataburger top five uh, coming up a little bit later on uh, this half hour, and so we'll have that coming up. And um, and then next hour, Fran Frischilla, ESPN. They're outstanding college basketball analysts. Works the telecast of the Big 12 games and other national games. He will join us not only to break down this Texas Creighton matchup, but but to talk college basketball in the Big 12 and on the national scene as well. We'll have another Longhorn Notebook next hour, a Flex 30 update, so a lot to happen on the program. Now, what Snoop is referring to is, uh, and this is a statement of, how serious we we take these responsibilities with regard to the all flex team that's coming out. I know there'd been a conversation earlier because there'd been a partial release of some of the guys that were on the all flex team, and they said let's let's pull it back, let's pull it back, let's have a meat and potatoes discussion about this deal, and because everybody was assigned different uh, positions, and uh, and then and then there's going to you know just feed into it. Well, we had a Everybody with their cards on the table. Uh, Three-hour Zoom meeting last night. Just about guys for the all-flex team. And we had a really good discussion about, you know, uh, uh, players that had great individual numbers on teams that perhaps weren't as good as opposed to guys who had uh, slightly lesser numbers on teams that were really good, how you – how you delineate between the two. Uh, put it this way, it was a lot more gray than Jalen Ford getting completely shafted on the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year honor because it, it, that's not even close by any statistical measurement there. But that's another argument. 
So we had this discussion last night, and it was none other than Jeff Howe who was bringing up a certain student-athlete. And Snoop got pretty exercised about it because he was speaking uh, from the heart. He was speaking with feeling and with emotion and, and uh, praise about another student-athlete in the greater Austin, Central Texas area. And as he spoke with praise and emotion and heart, he also spoke with F-bombs. He dropped about six in about 30 seconds. And we were all like, what in the world? And, and Jeff actually said, Snoop, Snoop, don't cuss at me. And you weren't really cussing at him. You were cussing. No. Oh, no, no. You were no. just kind of cursing out into the. <laughs> I just wanted to, like, be, I don't know. I just, I'm sorry. We all, we all got never, a kick out of it at I'm first. Never, like, and then later Snoop goes, up. okay, I'm calmer now. I'm never that fired up. So when I do, like, sometimes it goes out, like, crazy. I understand. I understand. So, uh, but we had a really, really. It was. Uh, so we, we had a really good discussion awesome. about it, and uh, a lot of the groundwork was laid for this all-flex team. It's, it's, it's a big thing for us. It's, it's going to be our first one. And next Tuesday, the 6th, is when you'll learn of the finalists for each position. Those will be, those will be announced next Tuesday, the 6th. Those are the finalists. The following Tuesday, state championship week, no better time to do it. On Tuesday the 13th, we will unveil, we will announce and release the all-flex team, all the high school football uh, players at their positions. God forbid we were flex Dallas or something because, like, the, I mean, one of the big things was, like, the area of the kids. Like, mm-hmm. are we flex ATX, you know, or are we flex ATX and what the conversation about the statesman yesterday with, with Blanco or Lano, yeah. like, what is – what, what do defines we the area? Yep. Yeah. Do we pull in Temple, and then like what cover, what box does that open for other players? Right. Anyway, it was, and then the conversation. I won't say the names, but dead on about what this player did for the team, whose numbers were decent compared to the higher prospect. It, it got yeah. it, it, was, yeah. it was emotional. So that's it. That's yeah. <laughs> and Snoop got more emotional than everybody else combined at the thing. I I think. Sorry, but that was okay. That's all right. So anyway, that's uh, <laughs> that's the discussion we had about that. And again, next Tuesday is when you'll know the finalists for each of these positions, which will be obviously quarterback, uh, a couple of running backs, three receivers that which would include tight ends if it were to get to that, and other things, offensive line positions other than center, but also center. We'd have center, and then there would be uh, offensive line overall, kind of like college all American teams where they could be guard or tackle. Um, then on the defense, defensive linemen where they could be ends or tackles, especially in this hybrid world of that. Linebackers, secondary can be corners and or safeties. Again, hybrid, you know, speaking from a hybrid perspective. Uh, kicker, punter, returner, deep snapper. I mean, we'll have it covered from stem to stern. So uh, that'll be the all-flex team. We'll announce the finalists next Tuesday. And then the following Tuesday, the day before the state championship starts uh, at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, we will unveil the all-flex team. So there you are. Just uh, just letting uh, folks know that. And that's what we had the uh, um, you know conversation. You know, John in the Bay wanted to know, because you were so emotional, Snoop, if you had been gaslit, catfished, hoodwinked, or uh, bamboozled last night. I don't think so. You were just emotional. 
last night, which is which is a good thing. We were talking about how gaslighting is the Merriam-Webster 2022 uh, word of the year. So anyway, all right, let's let's go to the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. A guy who will never gaslight you as you listen to him on 1620 The Zone in Omaha. I've known him for several years. He's the play-by-play voice of the Creighton Blue Jays, and you hear him on the College World Series broadcast as well. It's our good friend John Bishop. Bishop, appreciate the time. How are you? Is John with us? Do we have him uh, there, Smith? Yes, uh, we do. Hold where is the phone on here? Uh, sorry. Hold on a second, John. Thank you, John. <laughs> little, little. Oh, oh, okay, beeped up. Hold on. This should work. Okay, I'm so sorry about that. that do we do we have Johnny with us now? Hi. Hey, there we are. There you go. How you doing, Bish? You all right? I'm good, Craig. How are you? Great, great. Good to visit with you. I apologize about that. It, that's all right. Sorry, We're okay. Had a little little uh, telephone uh, board thing. Listen, well, I, John I Bishop is the veteran of radio. I was being launched into the stratosphere. <laughs> you, you, you are a veteran of sports talk radio there in <laughs> Omaha, so you know all about these kinds of things that could happen from time to time there. So, oh yeah, it happens at least twice a day on my show. So, I'm <laughs> um, let me uh, the, the, first of all. Uh, for again, for folks, and by way of introduction, like I said, John does the, the show up in Omaha uh, on the zone on sixteen twenty, and of course, play by play voice of the Creighton Blue Jays as well. Works the College World Series. So, how's the weather in Omaha these days? Dang cold, especially when you spend a week in Hawaii. I mean, it's <laughs> been it's been well. Today they say it's supposed to get into the fifties, but with the wind chill, it feels like it's in the teens. So. I'm doing a great job of selling recruits on Nebraska right now. There you go. And, and you know, John, uh, you know, those of us down here, we think of uh, Omaha as this really idyllic place because we only see it in June. And, and and when Texas is up there, and they've been there more than any other team in, in college baseball history. So when they go up there, and we were there, it was a short stay, but we were there last June, uh, Longhorn fans and all of us who are around the Texas team get a chance to really see uh, you know Omaha and uh, sample Dinkers and and Casios and 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 uh, obviously all of the other great things that are a part uh, of Omaha Zestos all, everything that 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 goes into it you get to see it year round so you kind of get used to some of these things right oh yeah absolutely I mean you know now that said I probably make an annual trip to the Drover as much as Texas fans do it's probably <laughs> once a year because. You know, my cholesterol might not be able to handle it. Um, <laughs> but point. Yeah, and, and the, the thing about Omaha, Craig, is it is a great sports town, and it's turned into a great event town. You know, the College World Series was the catalyst, and then, you know, we've had the swim trials. We've had NCAA wrestling. We're going to host Final Four volleyball this year. Um, and, and, and with Creighton doing as well as they are, you know, we're used to having big crowds tonight. Um, and so hopefully that'll, that experience will play well in the Moody center tonight. No doubt. All right. Now, before we get to that, I got to ask you one more thing because they're in Omaha and hosting a daily talk show. Uh, you've been right on top of the coverage of Nebraska's coaching search and uh, and I know things got really weird uh, yesterday. We hear about Mickey Joseph on it. Obviously, he was on his way out. But then, but Matt Rule, uh, who you know we all got to know really well when he was at Baylor before he went on to the Carolina Panthers. What's been the react in the state of Nebraska to the hiring of Matt Rule as the Cornhuskers' new head coach? 
I'd say it's been pretty positive, Craig. Um, and, and I think it got more positive after he spoke, which is natural. I mean, anytime you hear a coach speaking and, and if any one of you, any, any of the folks out there have heard Matt rule talk, no, he's, he's a pretty good talker. He's pretty good at the press conference. And Trev Albert said, I wasn't, my goal wasn't to win the press conference, but they did. Um, so I think, uh, fans were generally warm to it from the start when the news broke on Saturday, but, uh, I think they really warmed up to it on Monday. And I really think that in terms of where Nebraska is currently, this was one of the better hires they could have made. Now, certainly, um, yeah. Fickle going to, to Wisconsin was rather interesting because I think a lot of folks around here thought if Fickle had been on the board for Nebraska, that would have been a really good hire. Um, but I still think for this moment in Nebraska's time where they really need to develop players, Nebraska's had top 25 recruiting classes regularly going back, you know, past Bo Pelini, Bill Callahan, et cetera. Um, but they have, they've done a very poor job of developing them and turning the four stars into NFL players, turning the three stars into all conference caliber players. And, and that's been rules MO. So hopefully if that trend continues from, from Baylor to Nebraska, then, then the Huskers, I think got a good hire. Visiting with John Bishop, play-by-play voice for the Creighton Blue Jays, who uh, host the Daily Show uh, in Omaha as well. Okay, uh, let's turn our attention to this game. You, you brought up Maui, and uh, Maui's in a different world for a variety of reasons. One, the, the weather and the sunshine and, uh, and uh, you know, the luau's and the poi and everything that goes on there. But there's always excellent basketball played in that event. And Creighton played some darn good basketball, only dropped one game, the championship game, uh, to Arizona. And I think folks got a chance to be impressed by what they did in their matchups and wins over Texas Tech and Arkansas. So here they are at number seven in the country. They're six and one. How about your overall view of what Greg McDermott's done with his ball club so far this season? I think they're a little bit ahead of of where they were expected to be, and they were expected to be pretty high. I mean, they worked preseason, you know, top eleven in the country. Um, but to go through a gauntlet like that, and Creighton had never played three ranked teams in a row, much less in succession Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and to win two of those games, one against Texas Tech, uh, a, a great game against Arkansas, and then to play as they did against Arizona. I mean, Arizona led practically the entire game, and at one point, Craig, in the second half, Arizona went 16 of 18. And yet Creighton was able to trim the lead and get it to a two-possession game when it had ballooned to like 12, 13-point lead at one point for the Wildcats, who I think might be uh, the best offensive team the Jays see this year. I mean, that team is really loaded on offense. Now, tonight will be interesting, too, um, given what, what the Longhorns have. But um, I, I think I think last week showed a lot in what this team was capable of. Now, I think there's going to be two things. For tonight, number one, I'm still feeling it a week later, you know, just readjusting from a long trip and, you know, shifting four time zones over how much how much of that might still linger with the Blue Jays. And then secondly, this is the first true road game that that Creighton will play. They traveled very well to Maui. It almost felt like a home game at times out there on the beach. But this is the first true road game, and that's always a test. It doesn't matter who you're playing, much less the number two team in the country. In some of my reports, and, and when I was doing uh, Coach Beard's show the other night, I, I really individually uh, you know, zeroed in on two guys, Ryan Cogbrenner, of course, the center, and Baylor Shireman, uh, the 6'7", uh, you know, wing. 
And uh, and yet, as reminded by Coach Beard to anyone who would listen, all five starters average in double figures. So the question is, who's the most dangerous on this ball club? It's a pick-your-poison team. It really is. Um, now, I would say, you know, maybe to answer the question in a different way, Craig, um, you know, if you had to pick a team that, or pick a player that you absolutely can't afford to lose, and some of this, too, is based on, you know, who's behind them uh, in the lineup. Uh, I, I still think it's Ryan Kalkbrenner because of what he does defensively. He's the reigning defensive player of the year in the Big East, and especially against the slashing guards that Texas has. I mean, Kalkbrenner's going to have to be that goaltender, um, you know, tonight to, to try to, to, you know, block some shots at the rim because that is – that's really at the heart of what Creighton does defensively. But from an offensive standpoint, it really is a pick-your-poison team. You know, Arthur Kaluma's had a couple of really good games. Um, Ryan Nemhard really came alive. His three-point shot was exquisite in Maui after a really slow start. Um, but, you know, another guy to watch for, too, is Trey Alexander. This is a guy who has a tendency to kind of carry the team on his back. He had his career-best performance last year in the NCAA tournament against San Diego State. And, and there were moments – in the uh, in the Arizona game, where Alexander's ability to create off the dribble and hit some mid-range jumpers, he's really good around the elbow. He's good at the baseline, you know, anywhere from 10 to 15 feet. There are times where if the Jays are having problems either hitting the three or they're being run off the line or getting to the rim or getting the lobs up to Kalkbrenner, where Trey Alexander is, is, is the guy that can kind of keep things afloat while the Jays try to adjust to what other teams are doing defensively. So really it's a pick your poison offense and, and, and at different times it could be different players just based on, you know, how good the other team's defense is and, and where the matchups can be best exploited. The one other guy I was going to ask you about, because Texas fans will be familiar with him, is the TCU transfer, Francisco Farabello, who is has been kind of one of those streak-shooting guys. We saw him get hot in the game in Fort Worth uh, last season. Uh, he's uh, So it, it's kind of interesting. I know he hadn't really gotten completely untracked yet at Unleashed, but uh, how has he transitioned into Greg McDermott's lineup? Still trying to, you know, find his way offensively a little bit. Um, you know, this season his three-point shooting hasn't been as good as it is over his career. Um, but I think where his impact is best felt is he's still the, usually the number one guy off the bench. It's either he or Sharif Mitchell, and it depends on the defensive matchups as far as who gets off the bench first. But he's kind of a steadying presence because he's been out there. He's done that. Obviously, he's played in – Big, big-time basketball conferences like the Big 12. So this atmosphere hopefully won't be intimidating, and he could end up being an important X factor tonight because the Jays really had to ride their starters last week in all three games against Tech, Arizona, and Arkansas. And, and to get contributions off the bench, uh, Farabello, you know, you're kind of waiting for that moment where he maybe has that eight to 10 points per in a game. And I think another guy to watch for too is a redshirt freshman, Mason Miller, who's uh, Mike Miller, former NBA stars son. He, he's been pretty good in spurts off the bench, hitting threes, but yeah, Farabello is his, his role right now has been more, you know, just that stabilizing veteran leadership for a team that is still trying to kind of find its leader because the core of this team is still sophomores only in their second year of college basketball. He's John Bishop, play-by-play voice of the Creighton Blue Jays, and uh, you can hear him in Omaha on 1620 The Zone. Bish, I appreciate the time. Have a good call tonight. We'll look forward to visiting with you again, uh, hopefully uh, before uh, June, you know, uh, at Omaha time. Yeah, 
absolutely. Let's meet again in the Final Four. I think that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> then we'll talk in June, too. <laughs> That'll work. Thanks, John. You bet. Take care, Craig. All right. That's John Bishop, uh, voice of the Creighton Blue Jays. All right. Um, uh, before we get to break here, um, uh, and um, uh, my co-host, the pride of Northwest Williamson County and a proud graduate of Florence High School. Always. And uh, you knew him uh, back in the day as Highway 79 when he was an honorable mention all-district offensive lineman wearing the purple and white of the Florence Buffaloes. But you know him best for his outstanding work in Orange 24-7. That'd be Jeff Howe. I, 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 you and I haven't had a chance to talk since... Snoop heard, just I, went absolutely. Uh, as I was sitting in this traffic jam on uh, 360 because yeah. of an accident, yeah, I was uh, checking it out, and I, I want to set the record straight. Why is yeah, a big deal. Not- no, I want to set the record straight. Yeah, the argument ensued, and Snoop's passion overflowed because of I don't. I'm not again. Not going to name names. No, no. no. A student athlete you brought up at yep. a position yep. that Snoop stumped for very hard. And it just so happened, uh, I'll say, I caught some shrapnel. I'll you kind of wandered no, into it, really. But it, uh, sorry. No, and it ain't like that. I know, <laughs> I know Snoop. I know. <laughs> don't even. Y'all don't even. Hey, the funny part, though, was when you were going, and after you dropped about, the, it wasn't about six F-bombs in 30 seconds. It was like one every five seconds. And I didn't even realize bleeping this, it. And then bleeping. We might as well bleep and do the bleeping this, because this bleep and blah, blah. And we're like, wow. And, and Jeff's response was, Jeff went, Hey, 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 Snoop, don't cuss at me. <laughs> and, and he wasn't at you, but it was the I think response. What, I, think what, I think the comment that got me half high, and this is all, this is all jokes and fun. Snoop and I are great. Yeah. Like, I love Snoop. Yeah. But the comment that got me half hot was, y'all didn't do your bleeping homework. And I'm like, hold on, hold on. No, <laughs> my I gosh, I didn't know I said that. I'm so sorry. You were going, Snoop. You were going. Was that an out-of-body experience for you, Snoop? It, it was. Like, yeah, I didn't even realize until y'all was bringing it up. It was morning. because <laughs> everybody had done their homework that we had those types of arguments. Yeah. yeah, everybody had a point to make about why a certain guy belonged on the team, or certainly a finalist or a consideration. That's why it's because people were prepared going into it. Uh, so it was it was fun. Hey, and I will, I will shout out one member of our staff that was involved. Thanks to Cameron Parker yeah. and him bringing something to my attention on our all flex finalist list. There will be some small school representation. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. You can count on it. You can count on it. So, all right. Uh, speaking of schools, coming up, we're going to visit with the head coach of a team that's probably going to have at least one or two guys on they, the all team. They got a couple. Uh, probably so. Uh, <laughs> that'll be Drew Sanders, head coach of the Vandegrift Vipers. That's next when we continue to light the tower on the horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Miss one of your favorite live shows? Craig Wade, Jeff Howe with you. Snoop Daniel alongside. Time for a weekly conversation brought to you by Texas Truck and Trailer. We go to the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina hotline to visit with the head coach of the Vandegrift Vipers, Drew Sanders, who's with us. Uh, Drew, there's it's that old thing about, hey, if you're still practicing in Thanksgiving, that means it's a good season. And now the addendum, hey, if you're still practicing in December, it means things are good. So here's December 1st. You had a practice today, right? Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah, teams remember playing December. We all know the know the saying. So hopefully that means teams that that uh, remember can win in December. That's the big key. So you you've done it uh, several times before. In fact, you had a team last year that got to this level to the quarterfinal level. Is there anything that you and the coaching staff? 
I don't want to say change, but but maybe just uh, alter or adjust in terms of how you how you visit with the kids. Uh, if if there has to be uh, adjustments made to practice schedules because of the physical grind. Does it? Does anything get altered or adjusted once you get into December because of the toll of now going into your 14th ball game of the season? Yeah, I mean, I think you. Um, what what I learned from my college head coach was when we got in the playoffs, we always squeeze down practice a little bit. I've done that ever since I've been head coach at Vandegrift. So, you know, once we get in the playoffs, we'll cut off maybe five minutes of practice here, and then the next week maybe another five or so, you know. And so we just try to lessen the the grind on their legs a little bit and try to keep them fresh to that because it is a long season. You know, this is – I don't know. We Our first game was in August, scrimmaging in middle of August, So and here we are in December. So it is it is a very long season. That's a good thing, but – you have to be realistic about that for the kids. And so, and then, you know, at this point of the year, we're not adding any, you know, crazy new defenses or offenses or whatever. Everybody does what they do. I, I guarantee drips the same way. So um, it's okay to, to take a little off of them. So that first game in August just happens to happen to be against the team you face this week. And I always ask coaches before rematches. I did, I, I'm working television on North Shore. A task is seated tomorrow night. It's a rematch, but they only played five weeks ago. So they said there's not that much changes uh, in terms of how they view one another and how they prepare. I mean, it's been, what, 14 weeks counting the open date week as well. And do you see that much different from what you saw back on August 27th on opening night at Monroe Stadium? You know, as far as scheme, no, not really. And I'm sure um, if you got Coach Zimmerman on, the, on the, the phone, he'd probably say the same thing. We all believe in what we believe in, and we try to do that and execute. Uh, but, you know, everybody's matured. Everybody's gotten better. Uh, we our our experience in the secondary's got a lot better. You know that night we played, we had you know a lot of new starters, and they had to grow up quick facing uh, an amazing offensive attack like Drip had. And same thing, you know, we, they were missing a couple guys, we missed a couple of guys. So um, I think you know I I don't know as far as changes. I think everybody's going to do what they do, um, and just hopefully the one that that makes the least amount of mistakes, you know, probably will find a way to win on Friday. Drew, I want to go back to the Harlan game real quick just because we were talking about this earlier this week. I think people might just look at the final score and think, oh, you know, Vandegrift Cruz, but you guys were down at halftime. You come out of the half, you get the 28-point third quarter. How proud were you of your kids to, to have some in-game adversity, be able to go in at the half, regroup, and then come out you know, just with their hair on fire in that third quarter? Yeah, Harlan did a great job of um, doing something totally different than they had um, done and um, executed it very well, and and um, and we didn't we didn't do our job, and so um, it was nice to get the score right before half to pull within one, um, and then we got the ball and we scored immediately as soon as we came out of the second half. And after we got tied, I felt like you know it was our game, and that and it was we intercepted the first play, and then kind of the we started rolling after that. I was proud of our guys' response. There was, wasn't any panic, you know. There there can be a Every team's different and, and will respond to adversity differently, but I was as proud as I could be as, as far as what I saw in the locker room once I got in there after we kind of were trying to make our adjustments and, and um, trying to make our, our changes. You know, it was a 24-minute halftime too, so which is always – that doesn't sound like a lot um, 
of change, but you know, our normal halftime is 28 minutes. And so when you're trying to make adjustments, 24 minutes goes by really fast, but they were ready to go and we implemented our stuff and then came out and executed like, like uh, we felt like we should have had the whole game. Visiting with uh, Vandergrift Vipers head coach Drew Sanders here on Life the Tower here on the Horn with Craig Wade, Jeff Howe, and Snoop Daniel. And coach, I was talking with our reporter uh, Libby and she said a big theme for this year for y'all is a uh, legacy. And you know, like how deep I run with, with Vandergrift and how, how long I've loved this program. But it really feels like this year's team is uh, building a legacy of their own. Can you kind of, I guess, compare you know past Vipers to this program? Well, I mean, to be able to make it to the the regional final is is such a huge accomplishment. Uh, but I don't think this team is you know just settled with that. They they had set some goals to try to to go further than you know, any Viper team has gone in 6A. You know, we've only had one team make it to the state semifinals. That was in 14. Uh, Jamie Hudson uh, is quarterback of that, that class. Um, but, you know, I think their, their word legacy that they picked, you know, some of the people listening may not know, but we have a, a group of senior leaders that pick our theme of the year in the off season, and then we build points around it and memorize it and, and make it kind of who we are the whole year. And so they'd pick legacy because they wanted to recognize that there had been some great teams that had come before them and set the tone for them. But we wanted to uh, equal that and then add to it. And I think that th- it sums up this team really well. They've, you know, we did, we were disappointed in the loss to drip early and then now I've won 12 in a row. Um, and, you know, I feel like we're playing some good football, and, I, and I'm, I'm really proud of, of this team, and hopefully we'll come out and play well Friday. Uh, here's another question that I, I ask coaches before rematches, no matter the sport, Drew. Uh, when you look at that, and again, it's been a while since you played them, so um, how much do you rely on what you saw from the tape of your guys against their current guys, albeit, uh, you know, uh, three months ago, uh, versus what you're seeing most recently from them on video and how it, it melds together to, to help uh, you create the game plan? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, you, I think the, the simple answer is you, you do a mix of all of it. You know, I mean, I think you try to look at some things that they try to take advantage of, offense and defense. And, and you also look at um, things you couldn't, couldn't do and and you wonder like you're trying to figure out why why couldn't we do this why couldn't we do that and and so is it personnel is it um, the angle of the block is it the the coaching point you know there's so much to that's one of the reasons that coaching football is so fun is there's just so many moving parts and so there's so many different tweaks that you can make to make a play successful to to make a drive successful and so I think the simple answer is it's a mix of everything because, you know, they've changed as the year goes on. And, and you know, they were missing number six for a while. He came back. Their offense changed a little bit and getting him the ball there. You know, that's one of their good receivers. And that's a small example of some things that have changed in their team. And so, um, yeah, I think it's just a combination of it all. And you, you try to, you know, basically you're guessing. You're guessing at what they're doing. They're doing the same thing this whole week. Well, I wonder if they're going to play this set like this and so on. We're doing the same. And then on Friday night, that's when you see it all all kind of happen. And that's one of the most fun parts of our job is is that, the the um, the game within the game and making adjustments and, and doing things like that during the game. Drew, I love tracking the progress of offensive lines because when you've got a good one, they get so much better throughout the year. Uh, you know yeah. where they are now compared to at the start of the year. Uh, just your take on both those matchups. You know, your your productive defensive line with Damien and those guys against the Dripping Springs offensive line, and then you've got a really good offensive line too going against their defensive front. Man, I think that their offensive line has continued to get better. I think um, heading into the game, you know, we just weren't. 
um, sure as far as what level of play uh, that they were going to bring, and they brought it. I mean, they were um, they were really good the last time we played them. Their offensive line was. In fact, they were one of the reasons I think that they won the game. I thought their offensive line was excellent. Um, and so it's definitely a challenge to our defensive line to, to step up and play and play good. Um, and then, you know, de- defensively, their defense against our offensive line, our offensive line has continued to get better. You know, we had several new starters. You know, we had, our, we had big Ian back, and everybody talks about um, Ian. But, you know, we had a lot of guys that we had to figure out what, you know, what we were doing and what varsity football looks like. Um, and, and Drip did a good job of um, – stopping our run for the, for the most part. Um, and so, I mean, that, that is where it's won. I mean, if anybody wants to watch show, if the average fan shows up and wants to watch something fun, watch the, the D line O line matchups, cause it's going to be a bloodbath down there. Any kind of comfort level at all for your guys, given the fact you've played at Gupton, you know, Gupton, uh, it, I know in the, in the final analysis, it's a facility, it's a stadium and people show up for a stadium, but it is a Leander ISD facility and you've played a lot of games there. Yeah. Yeah. We've won a lot of games there. We've, we've, um, um, been there a ton. And so, you know, that's kind of why you flip for home neutral and home neutral. You know, they have, they had one that they liked. We had one that we like, and you know that's why you flip for it. Um, and so, yeah, we'll be a little bit more comfortable. But you know, once the game starts, I don't know. You know, I'm I'm not sure all that stuff really factors in um, a ton. But it's definitely closer for fans. So maybe our fans will will show up. I've heard that it's a really good number. I think it's almost a sellout, is what I've heard. So, um, yeah, I think that once the game starts, you know, it's just kind of on, and you're just in the moment yeah well we're looking forward to uh to the contest and of course folks not only can hear it on 1019 and am 12 6 they can hear it on the horn itself on 1049 on uh, friday night seven o'clock kickoff 645 to the booth with merle and scott and hank now uh you guys you guys didn't have scott last week and i heard merle and hank giving him some grief about he was out of town but he is back this week i i think i think they said that you got to have the big three in the booth right yeah, those guys are good. They really are good. I'm, I'm really impressed with the, with that crew. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, uh, Drew, we appreciate the time. Best of luck on Friday night. Look forward to visiting with you again next week. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate y'all. You bet. Thanks, That's Drew. Drew Sanders, head coach of the Vandegrift Vipers. And uh, it's Vandegrift against Drip, and it is uh, Friday night, 7 o'clock, Vandegrift Dripping Springs, and you'll hear it on the horn since we're still on the high school football subject how about a whataburger top five for you on this thursday now it's time for the whataburger top five okay prepare to receive today's edition here we go top five road trips okay uh you know the playoffs are almost always a road trip at least of some sort even vandegrift has to you know take the the bus ride i think when drew mentioned early when they go over to gupton they just go yellow dog on that, jeff so they probably just go right over their own yellow dog you know because it's not far uh to yeah, go and there. it's not that time of the year where you're worried about you know sweat and losing hydration and yeah. electrolytes and all that stuff so. yeah so i i think they'll be doing it but there are other teams that have longer road trips as well not just longer road trips road trips that clearly have a lot of meaning for both. All right. Number five on the road trip, Granger taking on Burton. That's in Bastrop Memorial Stadium. And uh, it's a it's a good road trip side for each of those. Uh, Granger will try to get its offense in gear against a Burton ball club that has been so tough 
defensively. Number four, it's tonight. Watch for Snoop Daniel in attendance on the sideline at Rattler Stadium in San Marcos, <laughs> Lano, and Edna. You are going, right? I am. I'm leaving Georgetown girls basketball earlier in the evening to go to San Marcos. Okay, that's a 7.30 kickoff yes. uh, for that. Number three is Liberty Hill and Flower Bluff at Dub Ferris Stadium. That's in San Antonio. Liberty Hill, one step away from another trip to the state semifinal round and taking on a Flower Bluff team that uh, can open it up a little bit. And again, these are the road trip deals. We'll get to uh, the you know, to the uh, to the top five matchups itself tomorrow. Number two, Westlake against Brennan. That one in the Alamo Dome at 2 o'clock. Climate-controlled environment, at least this week. I'll for the definitely Shacks. be there. Okay. And the number one road trip, I just mentioned it. It has to be about the mindset for Vandegrift against Dripping Springs. They played on their home turf the first time. Back on August 27th, lost on the Walker uh, on the walk-off field goal by Walker Wright, and uh, now they get ready to take on Dripping Springs one more time, and that is at John Gupton Stadium in Cedar Park. There it is, your Whataburger Top Five Road Trips of the Week. Time now for the Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. A notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, the home loan expert. See if Aaron can do for you what she did for Linda and me, and that's to get that home loan approval done like that. She can, after all, be the person to guarantee that 10-day or less home loan approval for you. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. B-O-W-E-R-S-O-C-K, just like it sounds. Bowersockteam.com. Before we talk some Longhorn Snoop, I need to get a breaking news sounder because this dropped during the course of our show. Thank you, sir. Uh, the college football playoff, Craig, officially expanding. They have released it. The CFP has made it official. They are expanding to a 12-team playoff starting with the 2024-25 season. They dragged the Rose Bowl kicking and screaming yep. into the modern era. So they have <laughs> they, they have done that. The Rose Bowl has always liked to be thought of as being autonomous and all that kind of stuff. It can only be so much autonomy if you're either in or you're out, ultimately, on this playoff deal. And that, that's been the big hang-up from what everybody has mentioned. <laughs> like, this always reminds me of the old Mac Brown line. Can't be a little bit pregnant. Can't be partially pregnant. Yeah. So, <laughs> Thank you, know, you for that. Yeah. So what's interesting, though, is in 2024, the quarterfinals will take place at bowl sites. Fiesta, Peach, Rose, and Sugar will be the quarterfinals in 2024. The Cotton Bowl and the Orange Bowl will be the semifinals. So not campus sites for the quarterfinal games, but they will use the current CFP New Year's Six structure for the quarterfinals. That was also a, 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 big, a big sticking point on both sides because a lot of the coaches, a lot of the athletic programs wanted campus sites done for that. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, there was going to have to be some give and take on that deal. So I like the fact that they used the bowl structure. You know, uh, and 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 that's one thing that we've talked about for years and years and years. Remember in the BCS, you could use the bowls. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. Now it's going to happen. Now it's going to happen. I don't have to. We don't have to go through the hypotheticals anymore. We got no. a twelve team playoff coming. I'm excited. More yeah. more high leverage football. I'm all about it. All right, let's talk about the Longhorns. Uh, some news items surrounding the wide receiver position on the 48. We reported this at Horns 24-7 last night. Brennan Marion interviewing for the Tulsa head coaching job. Craig, I see this as nothing but good news. When you've got a position coach who's interviewing for a head coaching job, it is at his alma mater. If, if he were offered the job, I think that would be something really hard for him to turn down. I think that it would be – obviously, I think everybody would understand that. But I see this as nothing but good either – 
Brennan Marion gets the head coaching job at his alma mater, or Steve Sarkeesian has his passing game coordinator and receivers coach good enough to interview for a head coaching job. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all it's all looking good for Brendan Marion. I don't know where that Tulsa job is. I, I would tend to think, Craig, if they're gonna go with the former Tulsa player, I would think they'd go GJ Kenny just because GJ at least has head coaching experience. Even though it's at the FCS level, he has been a head coach. So but Brendan Marion's interviewing for that job. Uh there's been a lot of buzz about Jordan Whittington and here's what I, I can tell you about that from uh, the, some things that I've gathered. It's not a slam dunk that he's done at Texas. I think there's going to be a real decision to be made on his part, whether to pursue an NFL career or put that off for a year, come back, and then you know try his hand at the NFL in 2024. So it's not a slam dunk that he's gone. I do think there's going to be a decision to be made, but probably just pump the brakes on that. That's going to take some time to play out. And then everybody keeps asking me about Xavier Worthy. We've got a, you can go to the Horns 24-7 and check out our insider piece and, and get some details on kind of the backstory on, on what's going on with Xavier Worthy, kind of why these rumors popped up. In my opinion, Craig, I don't think Xavier Worthy is going anywhere. Well, I, let me just say this. We, we've heard pretty quickly, even though the actual official uh, transfer portal date is the 5th, correct? Mm-hmm. It's yep. Monday. Xavier Worthy's name is not – he has not announced no. like several other, not only Longhorns, but players all across college yeah. football that he, that they're going to be in the portal. He hasn't done that. I kind of look at, at that much like we look at a replay of a play in the game. The longer it goes, the more there's the opportunity for it to go the way you think it's not going to go. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll just I'll leave it. At, I'll leave it at what I said. If I was if I was a betting man and I'm not, I would. There are much greater odds, and I would I would bet a larger share that he's back at Texas in 2023 as opposed to him leaving. Snoop is a betting man, at least sometimes. Right? He tries not to be. He tries not to be, but we know better. No, but I only do it for a little at a time. See, see. Hey, have you checked your Bitcoin balance lately, Snoop? Oh, no, it's down, fam. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, like four cents or something? Yeah, I mean, the overall total is – I mean, it dropped from Tom Brady giving that $6,900 Bitcoin to 16000 yeah. I, I, I think I told you guys that was part of the reason with Tom and Giselle with the divorce is apparently a lot of their net worth was tied up in crypto. Yeah. Could be some discussion on that. Uh, but to your point, uh, somebody on the Specs text on says, hey, Theo Weiss is in the portal. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah, a lot of guys are, and a lot of guys just want to get out in front of it, you know, make it known that hey, coaches, I'll be in here on the fifth. Uh, come holler at me. Yeah, I'm available. And, and you know, like for some of these guys, it's not going to do any good for them to go through bowl practices if they already decided that they're moving on. It's it's, it's a two way street. I mean, Stark is going to do the same thing when they look for guys in the portal, and the guys have to look out for themselves if they just feel like they've been passed up on the depth chart or they just want to get a fresh start somewhere else. Whatever the case is. Just rip that Band-Aid off and make yourself as available as possible as soon as you can. There you go. All right, there's. But the, I don't think Xavier Worthy, as of right now, I don't think he's going to be in that group. That's your Longhorn Notebook for this hour. We have Inconceivable coming up next as we continue to light the tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. It's another big rain. Well, the first thing we're going to find out is what it means to Jeff Howe. Because you got a little tidbit here. Yeah, just kind of a story. Don't know where else to fit it because we got a loaded show today. Yeah? Y'all familiar with the elf on a shelf? 
concept. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Charlotte's elf came back last night slash this morning. So All it's right. going to be a snowy the elf came back. So it's going to be a 24 days of uh, fun and adventure. There you go. There you go. That elf has to put in a lot of work, Craig, to keep the Christmas spirit alive. I always wanted one of those houses like you see in Christmas Vacation where you open the door every day to a different day as you get you know, closer to it. <laughs> this might sound blasphemous, Snoop, so I apologize. Most Advent calendars suck. I haven't found a good one. What do you mean by Advent? I'm sorry. You know, it's where you, it's like... Hey, you, listen, you're the one who's supposed to have the biblical knowledge. It's the Advent it, of the birth of your Lord. You like open the little thing once a day and there's like candy or chocolate or something yeah. inside. Most of them are... Most of them are bad. Just need to find a good advent calendar. When Linda and I were dating back in the early 80s, and people know the story, know that we had dated a long, long time ago and then went all our separate ways and had happy lives and marriages and kids and all that stuff and eventually found our way back to one another uh, by complete happenstance. But we did date at one time, and in the early 80s, uh, one of the first memories I have of being with her is going to... Uh, her house, not uh, like two weeks before Christmas, mm-hmm. and the Christmas tree was up, but there were no lights, no decorations on it at the time. They were just starting to get all the stuff out. Oh, two weeks before? <laughs> yeah, it was two weeks before, back in the day, right? Mine, mine's been done since Sunday. Yeah, it might have been three weeks out. And I said, "Oh, that's a nice looking tree." And her mother turned to me and said, "Right now, it's an Advent bush because <laughs> it didn't have any lights or decorations okay. on it." I always think all about right. that. I always think about. Or that. if you celebrate Festivus. Get your poll ready. Yeah. Get ready for the airing of grievances. Okay, since we're on the story of You're not a Seinfeld fan, Snoop? No. No. Okay. It's, okay. Go yeah. down the go down the Google yeah. machine. Yeah, yeah Snoop today. had his airing of grievances last night. During our Zoom I did not I was I was out of Ask body. anybody else in the station about their 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 <laughs> their view of that last night. You, you, the answers may surprise you a little bit. Uh okay. Uh since we're talking about the holidays you, you guys are familiar with the movie Christmas Story, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, the, Did I make a wild claim? Yeah. I think Christmas Story is a little overrated. Okay. It's 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 not my favorite, but I like it. You know, I've, I just think it's a little overrated. Okay. Well, apparently so does the owner of the house, if, judging from his comments. Um, the owner... Of the house is a guy by the name of Brian Jones, not related to our former sideline reporter. I was say, your former CBS. colleague? Nope, not not related to this guy. This is in Ohio. 